The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 214 today. We have a special guest back on, Dr. Rick Strassman. And uh, before we get started here, uh, he does have a YouTube channel that's up and kicking, so go check that out. I have the link down below. And uh, before we, uh, uh, let's see here, let's do this too. Uh, we are going to have some questions for a Patreon segment afterwards, so if you're interested, Head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments, including the one that we're going to do today. I did upload one with Matthew Clark, um, who wrote the book Botanical Ecstasies from uh, the last episode that we did regarding Soma. And uh, check that out. It's pretty interesting as well. And uh, one more thing, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is the social media platform we created to connect open minds. So whether we're talking about this subject or similar subjects, metaphysics, whatever it is, it's a perfect place to do it. Uh, you can sign up there and uh, we are still working on getting it in the app store. So, oh, one more thing. Uh, if you're interested, we are going to do a giveaway at the end of the month. Here's a picture of our Mind Escape t-shirt. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple and uh, take a screenshot, send it to our email, and we're going to pick a winner at the end of the month. So go check that out as well. Uh, but let's hear, let's, let's get into this real quick, but I'm going to do a little intro because he does deserve it. Um, Dr. Strassman is currently an American Clinical Associate Professor of Psychiatry at the University of New Mexico School of Medicine. Uh, from 1990 to 1995, Dr. Strassman led a government-approved and funded clinical research team at the University of New Mexico studying the effects of NN-dimethyltryptamine, or DMT, on human subjects in experimental conditions. Dr. Strassman is the president and co-founder of the Cottonwood Research Institute. He is also the author of DMT, the Spirit Molecule, Inner Paths to Outer Space, DMT, the Soul of Prophecy, and uh, Joseph Levy Escapes Death. Um, so, yeah. Glad to have you back on, Rick. How are you doing? Uh, good, good. Nice to see you again, Mike. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, last time we we I think we focused a lot on like the science and the new science, and it was very science heavy. And I didn't think we get got to any of the 
mystical or metaphysical aspects of this. So I figured figured we'd do a little bit of that, and then maybe towards the end we'll we'll get back into some more of the scientific questions. But uh, uh, so something I've been just you know theorizing and throwing around for a long time now uh, has been the idea that psychedelics are the source of our understanding and fascination with metaphysics. Um, and I think that that could probably go back to the dawn of civilization. Uh, do you think psychedelics are the inspiration for where we get the idea of gods, you know, uh, geometry being the building blocks of reality and there might be realms beyond our senses, stuff like that. Well, um, I mean, if you want a kind of a broad definition of what I think that psychedelics do is they make the previously invisible visible. So where the location of what used to be invisible is um, can be you know, debated. Is it just a chemical reaction in your brain on drugs or is it perceiving things uh, that exist out you know, to the outside of us, uh, which we're now able to perceive. So, I mean, I think that, you know, that both of those uh, possibilities would fall under the larger umbrella of making the previously invisible now visible. Um, so that, I think, pertains to the role of thought and ideas. You can have ideas and thoughts that you aren't aware of or you're barely aware of, uh, you don't believe are true, you've looked at them and discarded them, but they're still rattling around. Um, I think that psychedelics can focus a light on things uh, that you've been thinking but have been unconscious of, for example. Um, you know, so you need to have the raw material in the first place to come up with an idea of God uh, or of metaphysics or of the spiritual things that uh, we, uh, that we you know, feel but don't see. Um, so if, you know, someone is an atheist, for example, and they've wondered about is there a God or not and I just need more proof, they trip, they take a, 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 a you know, psychedelic and they you know, focus on the area of doubt. Like, I wonder if there's a God. Oh, I feel that there is a God. And I'm sure now that there is one. You know, so they come back from their trip now believing in God. Uh, but the you know, kernel of the idea was uh, there originally. You know, whether you perceive other worlds or not, like dark matter or parallel universes, you know, I think that's a really tough thing to even experimentally question. So, you know, it's interesting to speculate about, and some young student out there might want to take that on as a project to you know, photograph the contents of invisible worlds and uh, then compare them to the DMT state. But I think we're some time off from that kind of uh, information. Yeah, I always ask our guests, especially when we're talking about metaphysics and psychedelics and stuff like that, have you seen the gods, you know, or have you experienced anything surreal in day-to-day -day consciousness? And, you know, I've experienced a lot of weird things, but in day-to-day -day consciousness, I haven't really experienced all too much of that. You know, obviously I've never experienced the gods or God or anything like that, but in altered states, psychedelic states, deep meditation, these are some things that you can kind of have these weird mystical experiences and, and um, experience those things. So I, I do think that there is something to that. And as you mentioned, it could be something that's already, uh, manifested in the mind previously that comes out in those uh, experiences. Um, 
Yeah, well, I think that's one of the strong points of the term psychedelic. It means mind manifesting or mind exposing or mind disclosing. Uh, So it isn't uh, the case that those ideas are new, but they're being manifest in a new way. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, After conducting the DMT experiments, did you look for archetypes or similarities between the experiments? Uh, Like, you know... um, the different experiences that the subjects had, did you find any like crossover there? And if so, was there anything that you found that was interesting? Well, you know, the, uh, the typical experience on a high dose of DMT is, uh, you know, it, it can be generalized. Uh, most people go through the same stages. Um, you know, it begins quickly. If you smoke it or inject it, it begins quickly. Uh, there's a rush. Uh, with a lot of inner uh, attention and a feeling of acceleration, um, you know, some anxiety, and uh, then you lose awareness of your body as the world breaks up uh, you know, visually, and uh, you enter into a world of light which is full of content, full of material. Uh, you're witnessing it, you're able to interact with it. Um, yeah, and it's more real than real. That's one of the striking comments that was quite frequent. Yeah, and then uh, it peaks in a few minutes. You start coming down at around 10 minutes. You're able to drink tea and answer questionnaires at 25 minutes. And you administered it intravenously. I think David Nichols synthesized it for you for those experiments. Um, how different do you think the experience is between that and, let's say, smoking it or something like that? Well, um, a couple of our volunteers had smoked DMT previously, and they described the intravenous infusion uh, as just a little bit quicker. But but still, it's pretty quick. I mean, within a few heartbeats, you begin to feel the effect. Hmm. And I already uh, touched upon another question regarding that the uh, the experience, but it sounds like I think we already got to that with uh, preconceived ideas or... Um, possible biases of the, the brain going into these experiments. Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, that bespeaks the importance of, you know, what is intrinsic, uh, you know, to the drug. Um, is it, you know, the drug that's doing the work or is responsible, you know, for the content or is, is it the person? Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the drug is a way of that person getting in closer uh, in touch with themselves. Um, in the case of DMT, you know, the visions are quite striking and are the feelings that one experiences in beholding the visions um, and the information that you glean from the state. Um, and even the visions can be reduced, I think, to the personality of the person experiencing it. Um, in a way, they're kind of like you know, dreams. They're symbolic of other things that you can articulate. So, for example, if it's a monster that you know that you see, you can ask them, you know, who does that remind you of? It could be your dad. It could be your boss. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, the you know visions are specific to the person, and the interpretation of the visions is dependent on the person. So. That uh, kind of indicates the importance of developing your mind and your psychology as best you can in um, anticipation of getting the most out of any psychedelic experience. 
Um, so one woman in the spirit molecule mentions surfing her DNA backwards at light speed. And then you have Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Narby who wrote the cosmic serpent serpent talking about DNA and that, and, you know, biological stuff mixed with the shamanic practices and everything. Uh, and then you have a few people, um, you know, we've had a few people on the show mention the idea that DMT entities might be some sort of epigenetic memory of past lives or consciousness. Um, why and how do you think DNA relates to the DMT experience? Well, how does DMT and DMT? Well, um, a long time ago, actually, there were studies indicating that uh, DMT intercalates between the two strands of DNA. Um, it can, uh, if it, it can, you know, fit in the space. Uh, which is created by the double helix, um, you know, like the two nucleotides uh, or nucleosides. Um, you know, so it may be able to change the conformation of, of, uh, of DNA, uh, which you know, would affect its uh, transcription. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that you know, does bespeak uh, genetic influence, epigenetic effects, um, but boy, it's pretty speculative at that. Sure. Uh, yeah. And if anybody's interested on uh, Rick's channel that he's beefing up now, uh, he does have the cliff from the last show we did with him, where Maurice kind of made uh, some visuals associated with him telling us of his experience uh, with Terrence McKenna um, and Graham Hancock. Uh, with his, his, you know, I think you mentioned the entities and stuff like that. Do you have um, your own ideas of what the entities are, or do you just kind of read all the research and listen to all the people's stories and uh, keep evolving your own picture on that? Well, um, I think at the most you know, basic level, the entities uh, you know, provide us information that we weren't aware of before. Uh, they, you know, help us you know, know things about ourselves that we didn't know before. Um, you know, you're referring to my interview with Graham Hancock a couple of years ago in Sedona, and uh, I spoke about the first time I smoked DMT. It was with, uh, it was with Terrence McKenna. And, uh, yeah, I could kind of use as an example, you know, the entities that I saw there were these, you know, maybe half a dozen humanoid-like beings, maybe four feet tall, emerging out of a waterfall, this flaming, colorful waterfall. And they just, uh, you know, bore in on me and said, uh, you know, telepathically, you know, now do you see, now do you see, now do you see, um, you know, just over and over. You know, so, you know, what does that mean? Where did they come from? What do they mean by now do you see? Um and I think it's a reflection of, you know, who I am at, uh, you know, who I am now, you know, who I was at the time, uh, kind of you know, searching for, you know, uh, you know, for answers to you know, very difficult, uh, you know, to respond to questions, you know, now do you see, you know, what's the ultimate meaning of life? You know, what are you doing with yourself? Uh, what's the world about? Yeah, you, you know, so now do you see, now do you see? Well, I'm not really sure, so I need to investigate further. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, so that was a specific message that was intended for me to help me focus um, or to become more aware. But, you know, but it was uh, you know, quite personal, too. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, in terms of the entities too, some people suggest that it's probably, or it could be part of our subconscious or us speaking to ourselves, um, through the mind or just stuff that's like layered way down, down in there that's coming to the surface or something like that. Um, the thing that I find interesting though, is that when people describe them, they do feel external to most people. Like they do feel like something else. They don't really feel like you, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, do you think that, um, based on your experience that you think that they're external or do you think that it could be something internal? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, like we were talking about just before, I think it's impossible to say, mm. you, know, you know, but there are different models. Um, you know, there's a, uh, model that's internally generated, um, you know, like it's in our unconscious or in parts of the brain that aren't being activated. And we were kind of referring, you know, to that, you know, that model, you know, the uh, you know, psychological model in the case of the beings that I saw, um, you know, but you could also view it externally, like, you know, these are angels or some kind of channels from the divine that have been, you know, entered into your consciousness and are transmitting information, uh, you know, from elsewhere, from God or from a different sphere or what have you. Um, yeah, you know, so the angels, you know, the beings would be called angels, like in the Jewish, uh, you know, model anyway, like, uh, you know, Michael or Gabriel, um, you know, healing angels, uh, fortifying angels. Uh, uh, so, um, you know, angels are the conduit, are the way that divine information is transmitted, you know, to people. Uh, and so, for example, if you're you know, tripping in some form or another, um, you might be more accessible to that kind of communication that originates in uh, the outside and then you know, manifests in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it you know, could be God speaking to me, uh, you know, through an angel. You know, now do you see? Now do you see? All right. Um, so a lot of people also report, you know, trickster like archetypes or these elves. I know, you know, do you think that when Terrence McKenna mentioned the machine elves, that that became an archetype and people started to ask, yeah. uh, Do you think people started to envision that and then it became part of our culture in a way that it does color the experience? Yeah, I think uh, you know, that it does, you know, to some extent. Um, yeah. And, uh, in a way that supports an idea I've been kind of playing with for the last, uh, for the last couple of years about, um, you know, the placebo effect, uh, that, you know, if you keep an eye on the scientific literature, you know, there's one new thing every month, which, you know, psychedelics help. Uh, I mean, you know, the list you know, grows every month, the eating disorders, marital strife, nature appreciation, I mean, alcoholism, tobacco abuse, depression. Um, so um, you can th- you know, think of them, you know, some ways as uh, super pl- as you know, super placebos. They produce the effect that you want and that the environment is kind of steering you in the direction of. So, you know, if you start hearing about tricksters on DMT and then you trip, you're more likely, I believe, to encounter you know, tricksters than may have been the case you know, beforehand. Hmm. You know, so, uh, 
you know, rather than the exact you know, mechanism uh, of, for example, the more common appearance of the tricksters is to uh, you know, try and figure out what they are saying to us, what kind of information they're, you know, uh, uh, you're communicating with us about. So do you think that's like the pre, uh, the pre notion of, of seeing something like that? Cause I, I know there's a commonality where people, you know, take it and they all kind of, they might have different experiences, but there's some kind of common thread where they see something similar. Do you think that's because of their prior knowledge of what they're expecting before going into that? Well, it's their expectations for sure, but I think also it's, you know, the raw material of the mind. Um, you know, you've only, you're only able, to, um, you're only able you know, to visualize things using, you know, visual components, you know, that you all, um, that you all already possess. You know, so you can't, well, you can't think in concrete, for example. You think with your neurons and they produce, um, you know, they produce visions. Uh, you know, so if you've never seen uh, you know, something in your real life, uh, you wouldn't be able to, you know, kind of recreate it or use it in you're mm-hmm. providing visual you know, form uh, you know to the information which is being uh, you know transmitted to you communicated to you more clearly you know so if you if you you know think about the components of the visions is it a humanoid thing is it an insect like thing I believe you know that those images aren't as important as the information, that they contain. So um, the well, it's almost like you know garbing ideas, you know, putting um, ideas in you know, some kind of you know visual uh, you know cover, you know. So you're um, you can perceive the cover. It draws your attention. It interacts with you, um, you know. But it's uh, you know covered that way. It you know looks that way. It's in uh, garbed that way with um, you know visual components in order to you know communicate with you you know to let you start you know, thinking about something that you weren't aware of before. In day to day consciousness, writing and language uh, have a massive role on our consciousness and mindset. But do you think in the psychedelic realms, specifically the DMT realm, there is a level of understanding that transcends? writing language and even symbols and symbolism because in dmt the spirit molecule documentary it seems like people just have this general the people that were describing their their experiences have this general knowledge or this understanding that happens that seems to transcend uh transcend like i said all that writing language all that stuff um well um when you say transcend do you mean Nonverbal, like it's yeah, like not like almost like psychic in a way, I guess, or just an understanding that is not from this realm in which we experience from day to day consciousness, like like a communication. Like I said, it could be, I guess, psychic or nonverbal or maybe even visual. I don't know. Um. Well, you you know you can approximate uh, 
verbally certain experiences. Um, I think it's not quite true you know, that the essence of a, of a you know, psychedelic experience is only ineffable. I think you can say quite a bit about it as well. Mm. You, you might not be able to do a one-to-one correspondence, but you can you know, get ideas across uh, using words uh, about your experience. You don't need to you know, throw up your hand and say it's ineffable you know, just because you don't have the vocabulary. Right. or you know, the interest in uh, speaking about it or understanding it verbally. You know, so in a way, the you know, transcendence of you know, thought is uh, only a small, it's only a small part of it. You know, but I think, um, you know, more profound or, you know, more convincing is the feeling of reality, of, you know, the reality you know, sense of what you're witnessing. It just seems more real than real, you know. So in a way, it you know transcends everyday reality. At least our you know, feeling um, about you know the reality of everyday reality compared to the DMT state. Hmm. Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of those people's uh, in the spirit molecule, a lot of their trip reports, I guess if you want to call them that. Um, they do talk about like metaphysical or like metaphysics, things having to do with reality, the point, the center point of everything, you know, things that maybe even might bleed into like theoretical physics and stuff like that is, is what it sounds like. So I guess that's kind of what I was getting at. It sounds like people that maybe have never even thought about that stuff before are now being thrust, you know, to think about some of those ideas. Well, uh, you know, remember, you know, that our you know, volunteers were almost all college educated. Um, a lot of them were psychologists and lawyers and doctors and things, uh, you know, religious studies majors. Um, yeah, you know, so they were kind of spiritually oriented in the first place before they even volunteered. And in a way, you know, one of the, you know, one of uh, the reasons uh, you know, that they volunteered um, was in order to advance spiritually or have spiritual experiences. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so it seems like DMT and maybe to a lesser extent salvia severely alter our perception of time. Um, do you think there's any connection to the dimensional space-time uh, during these experiences, or do you think that this is just our biological perceptions that are being altered during those experiences? Uh, well, you should also you know, mention 5-methoxy-DMT hmm. uh, along with your salvia and with DMT. Sure. Yeah, it's smoked, very fast-acting. You leave your body. It's quite intense, quite short as well. Um, yeah, so what was your question? I wasn't quite uh, So, like, you have time-space, you know, like, you know, um, you know, you have the thing that is time-space, and then you the fourth dimension, and then you have our, perspe- our uh, perceptions of time. Um, which get altered, you know, when we have adrenaline rushes or somebody has a near-death experience or a psychedelic experience or, you know, anything that alters our perception of time. So do you think that there's any correlation in these experiences to some thing that we don't understand about the universe yet? Or do you think that that is just our perception of this thing that we call time-space? Well, yeah, boy... I don't really know. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, there are studies of the brain's perception of time. Um, I, I, I'm not familiar with their research, you know, but I've seen it. 
mm-hmm. that you know people are you know looking at how the brain tells time. Um, you know, so you would think in you know, that case, you take a you know, psychedelic or you're in some naturally altered state, it might affect uh, the brain's ability to keep track of time. Um, you know, but if you want to, you know, uh, explain things from a top-down model, a more metaphysical model, you could say that uh, you entered into a different you know, time-space continuum, uh, or you were able you know, to apprehend it as a result of you know, tripping, you being in an altered state. Yeah, you could perceive what was out there all along, but you weren't able you know, to without uh, you know, without tripping. Or it just could be your brain or some combination. Yeah. I think it doesn't turn out to be. I think about it a lot, and obviously I think about like time dilation. The more gravity there is, the more time slows down and all that kind of stuff and how we interact with that. So, yeah, I find that to be one of the more fascinating uh, parts of psychedelic experiences. Um, do you think there's any molecule or psychoactive compound on Earth that is more potent or similar to DMT that is yet to be discovered, or do you think DMT is going to be the holy grail when it's all said and done? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's you know not out there. Um, yeah, or what is out there. Um, I just meant from yeah. like a philosophy of science standpoint that we're all always discovering new things. We're always looking for that next paradigm shift. We're always pushing the boundaries. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Uh, but still, we're just beginning to you know glimpse what the function of DMT could be. Its regulation in the brain. So um, I think there's a lot to be learned from DMT itself. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Is there anything that you've uncovered recently or researched or found interesting um, recently that, you know, whether it be somebody else's research or something that you've stumbled upon in the last year or so or a couple years that you find fascinating regarding this whole topic? Yeah, well, so scientifically, uh, you know, there's stuff going on, and especially this last 18 months is you know, commercially what's been going on. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, scientifically, I think I must have you know, mentioned that University of Michigan paper uh, you know, because we spoke last year, and it, and that paper came out in 2019, yeah, uh, which spoke about the you know, synthesis of DMT in mammalian brain you know, co-localization of the two necessary enzymes. Uh, and the concentrations of DMT were quite high in the brain uh, as, you know, comparable to, um, uh, you know, the levels of known uh, neurotransmitters like you know, serotonin or like dopamine. Mm. You know, so I think, you know, the hunt is on f- you know, for you know, proving a DMT neurotransmitter system in the mammalian brain. Um, and, uh, you know, you would wonder what that would be responsible for. Well, the hallmark of DMT is the feeling of being more real than real. So it could be this DMT neurotransmitter system regulates our sense of reality, which would be you know, kind of cool. I mean, it would be in a way the endo matrix. Uh, it's you know, kind of um, engarbing our ongoing experience with a particular spectrum of perception um you know so i think you know once you can uh, you know turn on the dmt neurotransmitter system or turn it off 
uh, I think we'll start to look more you know, carefully at, you know, what is reality? Uh, you know, what is real? Mm. Um, you know, and uh, you could do, you know, knockout animals that didn't produce any DMT. You could, you know, block the enzymes which, re- which are required for DMT synthesis. You know, so you can knock out those genes. And you could breed animals that didn't produce any DMT, uh, which would be a very strange experience, I think. Um, or you'd be able to turn it on. Um, you know, activate your know, levels, uh, which would, in a way, if they got to what is you know, seen with injection, um, you know, it would be disembodied as well. You know, so I, th- um, I, I think the regulation of the DMT, you know, neurotransmitter system, if one exists, uh, is going to be a, you know, just a rabbit hole of you know, scientific and uh, you know, metaphysical discussion. Yeah, you mentioned the U of M study from 2019. I think John Dean was the one uh, studying all that. And uh, shout out to John Chavez, who made the DMT Quest documentary. We've had him on the show before, too. Um, They talk about all that stuff uh, in that documentary. You're in that documentary as well. Um, Do you think, you know, I think part of there was three discoveries associated with that. And you mentioned a couple of those. Um, And I think last time we talked, it was just a new study. And I think I think we've just briefly touched on the fact that it was produced in, you know, the, the whole brain and not just the pineal gland is what the, what we were talking about on our, on the episode we did before. Um, but there's also this other idea that it could be contained or it is contained in our spinal fluid and probably more prevalent in the body than we even expected before. I know there's a study, I think Stephen Barker did at LSU and he found levels of DMT increased in animal brains when LSD was administered. Uh, so many psychedelics may not even create these endogenous hallucination. It's called the uh, endogenous hallucin- uh, hallucinogen neuronal system agonist um, theory, which then that stimulates the release of endogenous hallucinogens. Um, but I guess the study never got published, and there's really no funding for a lot of this kind of science going on. Um, well, you know, with the commercialization of DMT, among other psychedelics, I think it'll, you know, boost, uh, you know, basic research as well. You know, so I think, uh, yeah, it's an interesting you know, question. You know, do, you know, do the other psychedelics, you know, work at least, you know, partially, you know, through the release of endogenous DMT? Mm. Yeah, that'd be you know, quite interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think that is kind of interesting. And I mean, it's so weird that we produce it in our bodies. Um, and given the fact that there are so many psychoactive compounds out there, the one that is probably the most potent is the one that we produce. Um, as you, you know, again, that goes back to what you were mentioning that could give us a better picture of, you know, what's going on with reality and the metaphysics and, uh, you know, the, the mind and everything like that. So, um, let's see here. I also, I think we touched on this last time, but that 2013 rodent study where they induced a um, rodent into cardiac arrest, and then they found higher levels of uh, DMT produced, which obviously you've speculated, other people have speculated. Is this what's at the core of the near-death experience? Is it an endogenous, uh, endogenous chemical release, or is it a combination of things? You know, How do you feel about that now, looking back at, at all these studies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, well, that study that you know, demonstrated elevated levels in the dying brain is also from 2019. Yeah, so they induced a cardiac arrest in the rodents and you know, looked at their you know, brains. 
and uh, the concentrations of DMT went up, especially in the visual cortex uh, of the dying animal. You know, so that uh, you know, supports, in a way, um, a role of endogenous DMT in the near-death state. Um, yes, you know, so that's an important uh, avenue of future research. You know, um, you know what that represents. Uh, is it a you know, gateway or a curtain to death? Um, it's, it's, you know, kind of more speculative about what that may lead to. But at the very least, the state itself is the last thing that you're aware of before you die. Mm. You know, so, you know, once you die, I mean, we have no idea what, you know, what that's like, you know, but if DMT is released at the time of death, you know, that would be the last thing you'd be uh, aware of is entering in, into a DMT state. Mm. Interesting. Shout yeah. out to the Dreaming Jaguars. Shout out to RN. Shout out to Four and a Half Fingers. Uh, Maurice, do you want to give your little uh, thought on dying and the DMT release? <laughs> Well, yeah, well, I've always been in the camp that when you do pass on, that that is a bridge into the uh, the next uh, realm, if you will. So, but don't you think I, that it traps you in there forever, or something that feels like eternity? Isn't that? I feel like you've said that before. I didn't necessarily say that, but it, when you're in a dream state, time seems to last a lot longer than what actually is going on. So if you're, if you're dreaming for five minutes, you wake up, it feels like you were in there for a a day or a week or whatever. But in reality, in this realm, you were only in that for five minutes. So yeah, one of my thoughts or theories would be that as you're getting ready to, to pass on that the, the flood of that DMT, which is, uh, it's interesting that we're starting to do more tests and see that it is being released in animals and stuff like that nearing um, their death, that you would be, somehow trapped not i wouldn't say trapped but it would help you ease into the next phase of whatever existence is again that's coming from someone that's probably more spiritual um i know than michael maybe but that's kind of my thought you're saying i'm not spiritual bro (laughs) no that's fighting words no mystical maurice is definitely a little bit more mystical yeah yeah um yeah, no, I I think it's a it's definitely a romantic thought for sure. Um, what do you mean romantic? Well, in the sense that that would be the transit, like having this transcendent halluc- you know, hallucinations or psychedelic experience could be like let's say consciousness does survive death in some fashion or another. I mean, we know what uh, where does ever, ever where does the mind go? We know about physical things, you know, and how the universe kind of works in that regards. But what do we know about the mind and consciousness? We don't really know a ton. So I think it would be romantic to think that that would be the bridge or the, the transitional point into some next level or of consciousness or something like that. Well, it could also be true. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm not Um, discounting that at all. I was just saying I I, romantic in the, in the sense that, um, yeah, I mean, I, something more than this. Yeah, exactly. Anything that could prove that, especially in the, the science realm would be very nice and reassuring, which I don't know if that's ever going to be presented. And that's where I guess faith would come, come into play to, to a degree. Yeah. We don't know what it's like to be dead. I mean, we know what it's like to be near death, uh, but nobody knows what it's like to be dead. 
but it's still, uh, it you know, seems as if you're in a hallucinatory, uh, you know, world um, as your last awareness. Mm-hmm. And if there's a role for DMT in that uh, hallucinatory state, it, you know, it's interesting to think of giving DMT as a dry run for death, or at least for the near-death state. You can induce it and you can learn to negotiate, um, you know, within it. Yeah, that's part of a lot of rituals and mysteries from the ancient world and even some of the modern world, this idea of dying and coming to grips with your own death before it even happens. And I think that usually, you know, if you look at like ancient Greece and the Eleusinian mysteries or the sacred mushroom rituals in Mesoamerica or a lot of these things kind of uh, bring that up as well. Uh, we do have a question from the Dreaming Jaguars. They are asking, are you aware of the first extent, extended state trials at Imperial College that have just finished? Five test subjects have undergone five sessions of around 30 minutes of breakthrough state. Oh, no, no. Um, I haven't heard from that group for maybe a month. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they asked some questions. They told me they were you know, well underway. Okay. Uh, I didn't get information. Well, that's very good. That's that's great news. Five people in a breakthrough state for 30 minutes. That's pretty exciting. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I know, I think they're working on trying to uh, um, interview one of the people that had that experience as well. I don't know if, when that'll happen, but I know that that's something that they might have been working on there. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at that whole thing, that's fascinating too. So, you know, what's happening for more than, five, 10, 15 minutes, you know, when you get to 30 minutes and then, um, what kind of effect would that have on you when you came back? Would you have some sort of altered consciousness from being deep in there? Or, you know, I don't know if you have any speculations on that. Well, I think in a lot of ways, uh, it'll be like, uh, drinking ayahuasca. Hmm. Um, I mean, if, if you drink enough ayahuasca, you have enough, you know, DMT in your brain that says, you know, high as you need to get completely out there. Um, you know, there's the complicating factor of the beta carbolines, the harmine and the harmaline, you know, um, yeah, but I've, uh, I, you know, drunk some you know, high doses of ayahuasca and at the higher you know, doses, it's a you know, full on DMT experience and it waxes and wanes over a few hours. So, um, I think in a lot of ways, the extended state will be like that. You, um, you know, the advantage, though, of an extended state, an intravenous extended state, is you could turn it on and you can turn it off and you can, you know, moderate the dose, you know, the level you know, that you're at on a you know, kind of minute to minute basis mm. or a you know, five minute to five minute basis. Um, you know, so that's a you know, valuable advantage over ayahuasca. I know that there, I don't know, I think it was Andrew Gallimore who is, I don't know what it's called. I think it's something having, it's a, it's a, it's Salvinorum B, but it's like an extended like methoxy version of that where somebody that, that one sounds to me like that could induce maybe some psychological stuff just because I, I've done Salvi. I know, you know, I haven't done it in a while, but when I was younger, I did it a, a decent amount of times enough to know that, um, yeah, it's pretty intense and I don't think it's as pleasurable as a lot of the serotogenic receptor psychedelics. Uh, I mean, do you have a feeling on something like that, like an extended salvia trip? Uh, yeah, I'm not that crazy about you know, salvia either. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a friend of mine in L.A. was the guy who discovered that you can uh, you know, vaporize and inhale salvinorin A. 
mm. you know, it's pure compound. And right. he sent me some. <laughs> and I took about you know, 10 times the you know, the dose. Right. I figured, you know, like it, it, it was you know, brand new. You know, you know, nobody knew about it. He said, oh, you know, try it out. Uh, and it was a very small quantity. Uh, you know, potency-wise, it's, it's much more potent than DMT. You know, the amount of material required, you know, for the, you know, the full-on intoxication. Um, yeah, you know, so the first, you know, vape didn't work at all. Then I just, you know, poured all of it into the pipe. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, it was terrible. It was just horrifying. Yeah. It just, it just put the fear of God into me. I mean, it was the most terrifying thing of my life. Yeah, very repeaty, very fractally. Um, but yeah, there is some like negative stuff that comes up in those two and not like a negative work through it therapeutic way for to me at least it was more like you said kind of terrifying at, at different points and i know they used to sell i mean they used to sell when we were younger at head shops 32x yeah, 25x you know the extracts they would sell these sell it as like uh incense at head shops when we were younger um i think it's illegal now but yeah until it got to 100x and... <laughs> um yeah well you know there's a diabolic demonic energy that it you know, seems to contain mm-hmm. and you know the people that i know that really like it you know they have got kind of a hard edge about them at least you know most of them yeah had, there is a feeling of uh everybody's out to get you when went under that so that yeah i strange. got yeah, I, I mean, I was, you know, thinned out and stretched and being incorporated into this pant leg of this you know, 40-foot guy that had p- appeared in my living room. Ooh. Yeah, and I couldn't resist. <laughs> Do we have a new sound bite? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Maurice is about to make the next clip right now. Um no, so I, I do find that interesting, though, because... Yeah, so an extended state like that, I don't think would really <laughs> you know, have much merit. All right, folks, sorry about that. We got cut out for a second, but we are back. Uh, Maurice, you had your question. Yeah, I was just asking about uh, the movie Enter the Void. I wanted to see if you uh, were have, have seen it and it, what your thoughts were, how realistic it was, and uh, just, yeah, pretty much just what you thought of that. Yeah, well, it's an interesting movie. It's about a guy that's on DMT. He's you know, trapped in a bathroom in a uh, you know, Tokyo nightclub, and he's you know, shot and killed. And then he goes you know, through the bardos. You, you know, the beginning was intriguing. It was quite thrilling, exciting, uh, pretty accurate. You know, uh, you know, gangsters and drug dealers and things. Uh-huh. The extended you know, travel you know, through the bardos. You kind of lost me, uh, but still, anything that helps get people to know more about DMT and more people you know, to know about it is a good thing. You know, the Wachowskis, that you know, TV series called Sensate, the you know, first episode of Smoking DMT, you know, that's you know, featured. And uh, a few months ago, there was a new release, a you know, sci-fi time-space uh, uh, a travel uh, you know, film which you know, features you know, two stars, a black guy and a white guy, and uh, it involves ayahuasca and the pineal and the brain and DMT and things like that. So uh, it is getting more mainstream. Still, compared to mushrooms and LSD and whatnot, it's, it still occupies kind of a you know, niche uh, position. Absolutely. Yeah, Maurice knows all the obscure, weird, esoteric uh, films. Uh, he's always sending me stuff to check out where I'm like, you know, 
What's yeah, the, really. I, I enjoy the films that you watch them, and then you might not really understand what's going on. You have to kind of think about it. I I, I like that. It's the one you I told think, me that I watched like, Upstream Color or something. Yeah, like that. Yep, yeah, Upstream, oh, Upstream Color. Color. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I wrote a review on Amazon of Upstream Color, uh, and I got a you know note from somebody saying you figured it out, you got it. So, uh, <laughs> wow. I'll have to read that review. Yeah, Maurice is going to have to. I have my own thoughts, but you know, it's uh, it's kind of left up uh, up in the air. And I like movies that may or may not have a meaning. Well, it's good that they that that the director has a meaning for it, but I also like them when they're open ended, where you can create your own meaning. And I, that happens a lot with music, where you listen to a song and you might feel a mood one day, and that song might mean something to you that one day, and then you feel something different, and then it has a different meaning to you. I like those open ended type of things. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, what, what was that alien one I told you about with Jesse Eisenberg recently? Did, oh, I forget yeah. the name of it. That one was pretty weird too. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting. Oh, we're both stuff. scientific buffs. That's is there sure. is there anything any other movies that you've seen recently that you'd recommend that you know to kind of touch on these topics? Oh, let's see. We just watched the Mind Hunters. Mm, you know, Michael, Michael loves that. Yeah, yeah I love that series. It's great. It's pretty good. Um, we're now watching Blacklist hmm. uh, with uh, James Spader. Yeah, I think my wife used to watch that. I haven't uh, gotten into that yet. I we started. Um, uh, I think I saw what's this. Uh, it's called like clickbait. It's the first thing that uh, what's his face uh, Vince from uh, um, Entourage has been in since. Uh, it's kind of a, oh yeah. It's, it's one of those things <laughs> you you won't guess because I'm I'm a pretty good guesser of what's going to happen at the end. You definitely won't guess what what happens at the end of this, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I got to find your review on Upstream Color though because I want to see uh, your thoughts on that one. That's like one of my favorite movies. I love Shane Carruth because he's his first movie Primer. He only had like six thousand dollars, and it's a time travel movie. I rec- highly recommend that one if you haven't seen it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen it twice actually. It's quite nice. Good. Yeah. Well, you almost have to see it at least twice because it's a it's a it's a mind messer. <laughs> um, so in terms of back to the DMT stuff, have, have you? I know you were. I think last time we talked a little bit about DMT and the Soul of Prophecy. Is that something you're still um, theorizing on and hypothesizing on? Is that whole stuff uh, about DMT and? possible explanations that don't involve obviously ingesting it or smoking it? Well, I spend, uh, I do spend a lot of time in the Hebrew Bible, you know, the old Testament. Um, I can show you my bookshelves maybe if it doesn't mess things up. Uh, let's see where, Oh, I can't let's see here. Yeah. So I've got um, a lot of books okay. and they're, and they're you know, pretty much all the Hebrew Bible and your know, commentaries on it and, you know, discussions of you know, selected topics. You know, so I I spend a lot of time studying the Hebrew Bible, and I you know, came to that ultimately you know, through my DMT work. Um, you know, Buddhism wasn't that great a spiritual model. You know, the scientific models were you know, kind of um, dry. Um, and you know, Judaism and the notion of the prophetic experience as laid you know, down in the Hebrew Bible is you know, very interesting and it's you know the content which i've been you know, fascinated with a lot you know more you know than you know, the mechanisms you know, the mechanisms are in a way you know wiring and plumbing and that kind of thing um and it isn't as interesting as you know what information is being you know conveyed you know through that mechanism and you can access 
at least a lot of the information verbally and you can write it down and you can read it and you can think about it so um you know i study the hebrew bible every day you know there's a you know, cycle you can read the first you know, five books every year uh, if you if you stay on schedule and i know there's the a other. there was a recent discovery we did it as part of our we do like sometimes we'll read like the archaeology and science news and stuff like that there was a recent discovery regarding uh the dead sea scrolls that um, I think they found it in the Cairo Geniza, I think is how you pronounce it, which is a, a manuscript with all sorts of knowledge in there. And they found that um, the Dead Sea Scrolls were most likely not just the Essenes hiding out in the desert, but most likely that was like a place where celebrations or this one specific um, event would happen, almost like people would have like a pilgrimage and come there and all congregate there. Uh, but I found that that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls are great. Uh, you know, they give you an idea of what was going on you know, toward the end of the Second Temple, the beginning of you know, Christianity. There's even a few you know, mentions about you know, Jesus and you know, some of that material. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and you know, their versions of the Bible are different slightly. Um, you know, like you know, the Book of Isaiah. Uh, you know, there's a you know version which was being used then that is you know, substantially different you know, than the current version. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so let's wrap it up here. Uh, really appreciate your time. We are going to do a Patreon segment with you. Some people sent in some questions, and we're going to try and answer those. Uh, but to anybody watching or listening, please go subscribe and check out uh, Rick's YouTube channel. If you type, just type in Rick Strassman, it's the first channel that, that pops up. Or we have the link all the way down below the video and the information, so you can go click on there, and, and uh, it'll send you there. Um, also, check out his books, DMT, The Spirit Molecule, uh, DMT, The Soul Prophecy. I have the links down below to those books as well, uh, and his website as well. Is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, no. Uh, you know, um, that's the standard material. I've got a you know, face on Facebook um, as well, so, you know, check it out you like me uh yeah i know you post a lot of stuff i follow you on uh, facebook as well i know that you're always uh, posting science articles relating to the stuff and just interesting stuff in general so go find them on there and uh before we get on out of here head on over to our patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive uh guest episodes and segments like the one we're about to do right now with rick and answer some questions and uh yeah just go check it out and one more thing, head on over to injuresweb.org. This is the social media platform we created to connect open minds. Uh, sign up for a profile and start hypothesizing, theorizing, and speculating. And one more thing, we do have a shirt that we will auction off. Um, if anybody wants to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, uh, take a screenshot of it and you know that basically enter, send it to our email, which is found on our website uh, or the link down below and uh, it'll enter you in for the uh, free shirt. So check that out. And uh, thank you, Rick, so much for your time, and uh, it was great to have you back on. Thank well, you, sir. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. Uh, well, one, one question. Do I need to stay on this No, platform? no. We'll wrap it up here, and then we're just going to record the other things separately. So just, yeah, hang on where you are now, and you don't have to do anything. I'll do everything from my end. So. Oh, okay, so you'll be reading me the questions but on Skype. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you everybody so much. We love everybody. Stay safe out there and we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace.